Welcome to the first Frontline Gastroenterology podcast of 2016 related to the FG Twitter debate on Tuesday the 19th of January 2016 entitled Frontline IBD, Travel and IBD, Advice from the IBD Passport. My name is Dr. Philip Smith. I'm the training editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and a registrar in London. And I'm delighted to introduce IBD nurse specialist Miss Cave Greveson. Kay is an independent nurse prescriber and now works as a lead IBD nurse at the Royal Free Hospital in London. She trained in Sheffield Teaching Hospitals, NHS Foundation Trust, where she was appointed as IBD nurse specialist. Her research interests include travel health and IBD, transitional care and screening prior to anti-TNF therapy. A speaker at national and international events, she has written for numerous journals and co-authored a chapter for IBD nursing. She's involved in IBD-related projects for NICE and in Europe, and is a committee of faculty member on many organizations, including the European Crohn's and Colitis Organization. Kay also developed the IBD Passport, a one-stop travel advice website for people with inflammatory bowel disease. Kay, thank you so much for doing this podcast to accompany your excellent Twitter debate in which you've included a number of slides. Summary of the Twitter debate will be on the FD website also. Okay, as gastroenterologists and healthcare professionals, um, we strive to ensure a patient's quality of life is as best as it possibly can be, with the ability to travel being a key component of that. With that in mind, can you explain what motivated you to develop the IBD passport and how it's been received by both the public and health professionals alike. Hi, yes, the idea to develop a travel website initially came from my clinical practice when I found it difficult to source relevant comprehensive information for patients when they asked me in clinic about travel advice. Prior to developing the website, I conducted internet and literature searches, which basically found quite limited information for IBD patients and also for healthcare professionals. Um, The generic travel health websites available um, provided information regarding risks and vaccinations, but sometimes this was very difficult to navigate and especially hard to interpret in relation to IBD-specific risk factors, for example, kind of patients on immunosuppression therapy. Um, And basically, there was no single resource found that provided transparent and comprehensive information that would adequately inform IBD patients. So I used the information that I found through the literature and internet searches, also collected data with a patient survey, which has actually subsequently been published in Frontline Gastroenterology, and just identified a gap in the literature. And as a result of that, I developed IBD Passport. Thank you. So during the FG debate, you described the advice that you would give to a patient in terms of pre-travel preparation. For the listeners that maybe couldn't be involved in the FG debate, can you talk through what you advise your patients? I think the key thing that I advise patients is to plan well in advance, especially ensure that they have adequate travel insurance that covers IBD. And with this in mind, shop around for good insurance because quite often quotes do vary significantly between insurance companies. And it's good to be able to, you know, ask around and find a good quote. And obviously insurance does depend on a lot of different factors such as age, whether the IBD is in remission, and also whether a person 
has any other medical conditions that also might influence premiums. Um, there is good information regarding insurance on the Crohn's and Colitis UK website as well, and that gives a comprehensive list. But also if people wanted to look, I think there's a website called Money Expert, and that gives top tips for people who've got pre-existing medical conditions. I think preparation is the key for, for many trips, but especially, I guess, trips that are to less developed countries that needs a lot more planning, um, especially for places where healthcare is limited. Vaccinations are an important thing that need to be considered, and again, that's an important factor for people that are on immunosuppressant medication because they might need vaccinations before they start this sort of medication, for example, azathioprine, mercaptopurin, biologics, that sort of medication. Um, but also, if they're taking this kind of medication, you know, that can also be affected. Um, I think it's important to advise travellers to be realistic about their itinerary and to consider aspects such as what medication they're taking, whether they'll be able to take this during their trip, to travel when their IBD is stable and in remission. I think the important thing is, you know, that having inflammatory bowel disease shouldn't restrict travel, but extra planning is essential, really. Thank you very much. That sounds like excellent advice. Again, during the FG debate, and you've mentioned this already briefly this morning, you, you gave some really good advice regarding vaccinations. Could you very briefly explain to our listeners uh, what approach you take towards vaccinations in IBD patients? Yeah, I think um, depending on the destination, some re- people may require vaccinations prior to their trip. Most of these are quite safe in IBD, with the exception of things such as live vaccines, for example, the yellow fever vaccine. And these sort of vaccinations shouldn't be given to people who are taking immunosuppressant medication. As I said earlier, this is things like azathioprine, biologics, or even high-dose steroids. You know, if people are on steroids for a dose of maybe 30 milligrams or more, anyone taking this sort of medication should allow at least eight weeks to prepare prior to their trip and get the appropriate vaccination advice from a proper travel clinic. Ideally, all vaccinations should be done prior to immunosuppressant medication starting, but this isn't always possible or practical in a lot of cases. And I think if people have already taken immunosuppressant medication and they have to have a live vaccine for whatever reason, for example, if they maybe have to travel abroad for business, then they need to discuss this with the IBD team and also with the travel clinic as plans will have to be put in place for them to stop the immunosuppressant medication for a period of time prior to having it. But I think the important thing is, you know, they could have a look on the IBD Passport website. This has got a list of vaccinations that are live um, and also kind of detailed advice regarding what to do if you're taking immunosuppressant medication. Thank you. Again, excellent advice. You also talked during the debate about advice that you'd specifically give people whilst travelling abroad in relation to their diet, post-surgery, stomas, for example, and medication. Can you very briefly discuss this also? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, each of the areas you've mentioned is a large topic just in itself. And again, it's covered in quite a lot of detail on the IBD Passport website. But to kind of go briefly through each one, as far as diet is concerned, whether you suffer from IBD or not, everyone is at increased risk of experiencing diarrhoea when travelling abroad. And this is usually due to consuming food or water that's different to kind of what people are used to. And the risk of contracting a diarrhoea bug will obviously depend on destination, sanitation of the destination and that sort of thing. 
Um, the standard dietary precautions exist for avoiding travellers' diarrhoea, and these usually include drinking bottled water, avoiding food from street vendors, avoiding uncooked food such as that that might be found in salad bars, and also omitting ice from drinks because you can't be guaranteed where the ice has come from. The IBD Passport website also looks in more detail at more specialist advice for particularly people on parental or enteral nutrition, so people that might need to take feeds abroad with them. Again, this shouldn't restrict travel, but definite planning is is needed because of all the equipment and all the kind of precautions that need to be taken prior to any trip. To ensure travelling with medication goes smoothly, I would advise anyone with IBD to take a copy of their prescription with them, also a copy of the letter outlining their medical condition and a history of treatment. Keep medication in the original packaging and keep in the hand luggage. And particularly if you're taking medications such as Humira or any injectable things like methotrexate, contact the airline in advance to make sure that they're aware that you're taking medication, um, particularly people on things such as feeds. Often you get an excess baggage waiver that enables you to take stoma supplies with you and have you know more bags with you than what you're usually allowed. I think if patients are taking medication such as codeine and plan to travel longer than three months, some countries such as the United Arab Emirates require a special license prior to travel. And again, details of this are available on the website with all the relevant links. And I suppose finally, travel following surgery and with a stoma is often very daunting for people. And as a general rule, insurance premiums will be higher if an individual has had surgery within the last 12 months. Many stoma companies have got excellent support for travellers, including things such as a stoma passport to help going through customs easier. Also, holiday packs, which advise about maybe different products that could be used that may be more suitable for hotter climates and also for different activities such as swimming, where, you know, you might need different appliances. Thank you for fantastic advice. And finally, if there are uh, any additional top tips for people travelling abroad with IBD, what are they that you give people? I think the key things would be to seek expert travel advice at least six to eight weeks in advance of the trip, particularly for people who are planning extended periods of travel or going to less developed places where they need vaccinations. Travel when IBD is in remission, key to prevent a flare-up whilst travelling, also to reduce insurance premiums to ensure patients have adequate insurance to cover the IBD and also to make sure that even if people are travelling abroad and have the EHIC card, they also need travel insurance in addition to this. The EHIC card isn't fine on its own. To get a letter from the IBD team outlining medical history and also a copy of their prescription. To consider vaccinations at least eight weeks before travel and to seek advice about this. Carry an adequate supply of medication, plus a bit extra in case of delays in emergencies. And also to take an emergency travel kit, which again, details are available on the website. And this includes a supply of medication and medical supplies in your hand luggage in case of any problems whilst abroad. And I think the final thing and most important thing is to have the confidence to travel and don't let the diagnosis of IBD hold you back. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic advice. And Thank you once again, Kay, for your excellent Twitter bait and also for this podcast, which hopefully the listeners find very useful. 
The slides are on the Twitter debate will also be available to look at with a link next to this podcast. The next FG Twitter debate is with Dr. Gavin Johnson, who's a consultant gastroenterologist at University College London Hospitals, and he's the ex-BSG Education Chair. That's on Tuesday, the 23rd of February 2016 at 8 until 9 p.m. GMT, and we'll discuss frontline training, the shape of gastroenterology training in the UK and beyond. We hope you can join us then using the hashtag FGDebate.